Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Print Design Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins. Thanks for stopping by and checking this one out. Got another great conversation. Got a little rebrand in here. Got a little packaging, a little something else. You're going to love it. Before we get there, I got to tell you real quick here, if you are ready to start learning print design, you've been listening to all these episodes of these incredible designers and conversations with them about great print and packaging that they created and put out in the world and the reaction to it and all that. If you want to get in on that and start designing for print in your freelance business or side hustle, whatever you got going on, you got to go to printdesignacademy.com. On there, there's links to our YouTube where we're teaching you print design for free. There's links to other podcast episodes where you can learn from designers who are already putting great print and work like that out there. There's also access to our very cost-effective courses, including Print Design Mastery, which is where, obviously, we are teaching you to be a master in print and packaging design. Go check that out. Again, that is printdesignacademy.com. Now, today on the show, we got Ron and Mackenzie from Macaroni Creative. I've had a conversation with them previously about another great project that they put together. And they did this one fairly recently and put it up on the website, put it out on that Instagram world. And I had to reach out again and said, hey, let's talk about it. So here we are. The packaging rebrand, the whole project we're talking about today is for Miller's Craft Meat, some hot dogs, some sausages, some good stuff. And we talk about the story of the rebrand and the packaging and all the different elements that went into the packaging. And hey, it's print and it looks awesome and it's great. And Ron and Mackenzie are awesome. So let's stop talking. Well, I'll stop talking. You can keep talking and dive into today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron and Mackenzie from Macaroni Creative. Hit the intro. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Macaroni Creative, welcome back to the Print Design Podcast. How are you guys? Great. Very good. Thanks for having us back. No, it's great. Like we were saying, just before we sort of officially started recording, you guys are on a very, very small exclusive list of repeat guests here. <laughs> Truly <laughs> honored. Very honored to be here for a second time. Yeah, hopefully we're helpful to people. No problem. And yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I really appreciate you guys sending that thousand bucks out my way. So thank you. Yeah. For that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was I not supposed to talk? Oh, Jesus. Gets you anything you want. You want awards? I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, welcome back to the show. And you guys have been putting out just incredible print and packaging. I've been following you on Instagram and seeing the stuff that you're sharing and wondering what you're not actually sharing. Um, and I wanted to take this opportunity to have you hop back on the show and talk about a pretty drastic um, before and after packaging rebrand that you guys recently did. Um, so we'll dive deep into that later, but let's kick it off with like the, 
the, the general introduction stuff for those who haven't listened to your previous episode and just tell us a little bit about yourselves. Yeah, sure. So um, we're a small boutique design studio. We're just, it's just the two of us. We're a husband and wife team. Um, We were based out of the city up until recently in New York City, and then now we're uh, upstate New York. So um, yeah, we've been doing macaroni now full time about uh, going on five years now. And uh, yeah, we focus exclusively on the food and beverage industry. So Mm -hmm. especially like CPG, um, that's kind of our our bread and butter. So um, definitely a lot of of hard work in in our portfolio. Perfect. And how long have you been sort of like in, like break it up a little bit here? So Mackenzie, just yourself, like when did you get in design? What was your path before meeting Ron and sort of forming this group and everything? Yeah. So for me, um, my background's almost always been in branding and packaging for like food and beverage. That's kind of mm-hmm. what I've done most of my career. Um, you know, I went to the College of St. Rose up in Albany for graphic design. And from there, I got a job at a studio called Off White Co. Um, where that's like mostly the work I did there was like branding and packaging. And then mm-hmm. um, from there I bounced around a little bit, but I feel like I found that kind of passion in that the food and beverage space pretty early on in my career. Mm-hmm. I feel like it was something I was kind of always kind of wanting to get back to. So, um, you know, I feel like how Ron and I, you know, how macaroni kind of first came to be was, you know, we were both designers. We were, you know, we've been together for, you know, almost 14 years now. So, kind of throughout our whole careers, we were, you know, working at these agencies and we're like, oh, it'd be cool to like eventually have the opportunity to like work together and collaborate on some projects. So what sort of just started out as like a fun way to kind of collaborate and make some extra money uh, snowballed really fast. And um, yeah, pretty much before we knew it, we kind of had, you know, we almost had two full-time jobs going. We were just working our day jobs and coming home, working till like the late hours of the night and getting up, doing it all over again. So we finally, finally took the leap and yeah, I haven't looked back. Awesome. And then Ron. Yep. And then, yeah, I kind of had more of a roundabout path to go and get here, but yeah, when I first graduated, I worked at a signage company actually. So I started right in print. Um, but then from there, um, when I worked at a company, I did a lot of digital work um, for like Facebook, Google, a lot of presentation work, um, smaller things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But then after that, uh, I actually did a freelance project for a local restaurant um, like Delhi. And then a restaurant branding agency went and saw that I think on Dribble or something like that um, and contacted nice. me. So then, uh, yeah, hopped into that agency and uh, yeah, worked on all food and beverage uh, clients there too, mostly restaurants, fast casual type things. But uh, yeah, did a big mix between different print projects and uh, digital mm-hmm. as well. But that's kind of how I fell into the food and beverage area. And then obviously, like Mackenzie was saying, she was already doing it. So it kind of just made sense for us to, you know, keep on doing the food and beverage thing since, you know, we were both really passionate about it and had a lot of experience there. So were you both in that beverage and food branding space like at the same time while you guys were dating? Like you just kind of stumbled into it and she sort of went in that direction? Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't really think, you know, my first my first job and kind of when I first started doing like the food and beverage stuff, I you know, I didn't have any experience. I was like, I'll take kind of any job I can get. And then it just ended up being, you know, I ended up being really lucky that kind of my first, kind of right out of the gate, I found something that I just really really love doing and um so yeah i think it was kind of yeah i think we both both kind of did it i guess at different times but i think we both like pretty much as soon as we started working in that industry we both like ron said just kind of fell in love with it so it was a very Mm -hmm. um 
yeah, <laughs> it's worked out really, really well. Yeah, because I also think about doing restaurants, there's so many touch points that you can go and do from, you know, the inside signage to, you know, outdoor signage, to the menus, to the cups, to, you know, whatever yeah. else you're going and doing. So, you know, Coasters and everything, you know, everything ends exactly. up with a brand or a logo or something on it, right? And with the food and beverage industry, it's like, you know, each project, like, can be so different. So even though we're focusing like on, you know, one specific, you know, vertical, um, you know, each project can be drastically different from like a stylistic, you know, point of view. So it makes it fun for us to still be able to hop around and do that. Yeah, it never, never gets boring, even even just kind of staying in that category. It's such a big, big fun category. Yeah. So have, are you in that category? Um, oh, this is such a stereotypical question, but like my gut wants to ask it. <laughs> but are, you, are you guys seeing... Yeah, exactly. Are you guys seeing like any any trends in that consumer goods space? Like what's the what is the thing that's starting to stand out on the shelf that you hadn't seen before? Is there a couple of things that you're seeing? Well, I think one thing, I mean, this is kind of just like a trend, not even necessarily, you know, specific to the design, but one trend I feel like we've seen like especially the last couple of years is there's this sort of focus towards like very functional foods and beverages. So it's mm-hmm. not just like oh, this thing, you know, tastes good or, you know, it's healthy. There's like a lot of, you know, a lot of people have been reaching out with these really cool and innovative products. So then I feel like the packaging to like kind of communicate those product benefits, it's like really essential that the packaging is like very, very informative because they're not, it's these products with these like kind of unique features or like ingredients that, um, you know, people may not be familiar with. So I think just, you know, packaging design you you know you have like two seconds to get someone's attention so kind of how do you convey this like really unique functionality of a product in like such a short kind of short time spans I think that's something we've been Mm -hmm. you know kind of doing a lot of recently and um, we've been working with some really cool brands that are yeah like I said just doing some really unique like innovative innovative stuff yeah and I think even within that it's just interesting there's like you know if someone's just doing direct to consumer if someone's doing retail I mean the packaging can look like drastically different there for you know what you need to put on it and you know what mm-hmm. makes sense um and we even have some clients who like start off like d to c and then they want to make the transition there so then you know we might take some of their existing packaging and then kind of reformat it for retail since we do a lot of that kind of work mm-hmm. yeah and then as far as design trends I feel like the, the like 70s or like retro stuff but the mascots I feel like have been like the biggest thing I've been seeing like all the different like character like illustrations or uh, you know like icons that people have been making that's what I was thinking like once this trend gets over like what's going to happen to all those poor mascots yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's there some designer out there that design humor page just needs to create this illustration with all of these mascots just in this big pile or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> the discarded mascots from food packaging yeah. in the days past. Yeah. The two things on the consumer packaged goods space that I've seen in the print side of things and in the print industry, um, you know, getting real specific with print here is foil stamping. I've seen a lot more consumer packaged goods stuff, even um, even some of the lower margin stuff that's more about volume than it is about premium products, um, starting to use elements of foil stamping on their packaging. Mm-hmm. The other one is like neon and fluorescent Pantone colors, like just yeah. things Definitely. that yeah, that's... on the shelf, right? Yeah, no, it's cool. Yeah, and I think kind of like Ron was saying, I think too, like some of that, like kind of like that vintage, like kind of like 70s, 80s, like aesthetic, like that, those like neon colors, I think kind of, you know, 
or just even like further kind of leaning into that. Yeah. Well, I think for a while too, it was uh, everyone was like, Hey, we're a clean, healthy product. So we're going to be, you know, this white packaging and, you know, or like a craft packaging because we're like healthy and we're natural. But now it's kind of like, you know, since everyone's doing that, how are you going to stand out past there? Like, do you need to have that to communicate that, you know, you're a healthy brand? Yeah. Yeah. Some really fun, fun trends happening right now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Okay, cool. So not like such, not, not a bad question. <laughs> I just feel like it's like, it was such a stereotypical question. But anyways. <laughs> that was a good question. Yeah, we, love, we love nerding out about cool, cool good. packaging. Okay, well then buckle up for this dorky one. Um, <laughs> the other one that just came to me is, so when, and I was thinking about this question when you guys were describing that you were both sort of like on kind of parallel tracks of being designers and talking about like, Hey, you know, we should like just do something together and um, along that path. When people, when people are dating, there's this like drive to impress one another to like get some attention. So I'm wondering, is there, was there a point where you guys were like, just like it working on a design and thinking like, I'm going to show Ron this later and he's going to be so impressed, like trying to impress each other with the design work you're doing. (laughs) I think, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's always sort of our sort of our goal, but yeah. I think uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm always really excited when like because I think a lot of like our like creative projects we kind of both kind of go off like work separately, and then you know we'll kind of have these scheduled like internal checkpoints where we'll, where we'll kind of come back together and like so I feel like I'm always really excited to like show him what I'm working on and see what he's working on. But I think one of the nice things about kind of our you know working relationship is I think we both have very very different like kind of strengths and like styles. So I think that helps for us, like, you know, when we're presenting things to clients, like I think it allows us to really kind of cover a range of, you know, kind of a range of aesthetics. And then also I think we both kind of know where our strengths lie. So Mm -hmm. in terms of like kind of giving each other feedback and criticism, I'm like, you know, I know Ron is like, I tend to be a lot more like playful and like a little bit more illustrative and I'm more neat by the grid type. Yeah. He's very like organized (laughs) by the grid, like super clean. So like, he's always kind of like helping me like sort of maybe like refine like my typography or like, Oh, we need more negative space or whatever. And then I feel like I tend to be the one who's maybe trying to add like a little more like personality or kind of some of those kind of quirkier elements. So I think um, there's kind of like a good, a good balance there in our working relationship that I feel like spills over into our, our personal life too. I'm pretty much <laughs> I'm always the messy one. He's always the clean, the clean exactly. one. <laughs> Nice. So do you, has there ever been a project in that dynamic? Cause it's, it's pretty unique that you like, you guys are both like married and partners in business. So it's, it's like, there's not a lot of that out there. Um, has there ever been a project where you guys have just flat out disagreed on direction on, or, or just sort of, like you went to, you went to battle on for, for different directions? Yeah, from from time to time, something will pop up. I mean, we have like a Slack group of some of our designers that will go and like, you know, share things with to kind of get an outside opinion. Or sometimes we'll just throw like, you know, both designs that we we're kind of going back and forth with into the presentation that we're having. And be like, all right, we'll just let the client go and decide from here. Yeah. Um, but we're both pretty laid back for the most part. And um, I feel like if someone like really sticks up for something, that means it like, you know, means a lot to them right there. So yeah. it's kind of like, all right, it's cool. Like, you can leave yeah. it in there. We're not super precious about like our work. Like we're, you know, we both you know, we'll both obviously give our opinions, but I feel like we rarely like dig in on things. I feel like, you know, just being a designer, you're so used to getting constructive criticism from like mm-hmm. other designers and the clients and like, you know, their like sales team, you know, there's so many, there's yeah. always so many opinions that you're kind of contending with. I think we've both gotten, 
you know, pretty good at like kind of distilling that and like kind of letting things roll off our back in terms of like, you know, if he really dislikes something I do, like I'll be like, it'll, you know, it'll make me kind of rethink and be like, okay, well, what, like, what are your issues with it? How do we kind of reach some type of resolution here? But like Ron said, I, I guess at the end of the day, kind of, if all else fails, we really just leave it to the client. And then it's yeah. like, I told you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, just going to ask that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I win. Yeah. That's so funny. The final say, like, we'll just be like, you know what? If we can't, if we can't reach a, an internal like agreement, mm-hmm. we'll, yeah, we'll let the client, clients decide what they, what they think. Yeah. And I think we'll go with like kind of back and forth more on like details, but then as far as like, mm-hmm. you know, actual concept, I mean, I think there's, you know, for any project, there's, you know, multiple solutions they can go and have. So, you know, to say like, who's right or wrong. I mean, the client will tell you that and then, then yeah. we'll go and laugh at each other. But like in the process, you know, it's always good to, you know, show different opinions and have kind of like different perspectives on, on different projects. That's so fun. I can picture you guys leaving a client presentation where you each like put yours up, up in, you know, you get back in the car after the presentation and somebody just goes, told you they'd like mine better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. That's super I feel fun. like more it's often than not, I feel like too, a lot of times it ends up being sort of like things get like kind of Frankenstein together. So it's like, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You, you won on this, this part, but I won on this part. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, so on the last episode, I asked you about your earliest memory of printer packaging and we sort of touched on that, but, um, what I do want to ask you then is what about recently, you know, since we've last spoke or, or any other thing that you've remembered, um, have you had any recent interactions with printer packaging stuff you got in the mail, stuff you found out in retail, whatever it is that you were really surprised by, you really enjoyed? Um, that's a great question. I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I think in general, we're both like, we like spend like an exorbitant amount of time, like at like the grocery store and things like that. Cause I feel like we just love going and kind of just looking through and just kind of seeing what's out there. And, you know, so I feel like on like a pretty regular basis, we're always kind of, kind of going out and just, yeah, like nerding out together on mm-hmm. some like packaging and stuff. Um, I'm trying to think of like any brands or like, you know, print projects. I mean, one that I, one that just kind of immediately came to mind for me, um, I mean, they've been out for a little while, but, um, the brand Omsum, I don't know if you're, we talked about last time. oh, did we talk about I that one so, last yeah. time? <laughs> I was going to say that one's just always been like, you know, an amazing, I feel like they're just an amazing example, kind of talking about like the, the vibrant colors and, um, just kind of the elaborate like system they've kind of created. It just stands out so much like in the category while still, mm-hmm still really making sense for like the target audience and everything. So that was one that. Yeah. They've actually been doing a cool thing on their Instagram kind of talking because they recently got, they were just direct to consumer and they recently went into retail. So they've been posting like oh, little cool. Instagram reels or stories about like kind of the process, like, you know, switching from direct consumer to the retail and they kind of switched up some of their packing design and things like that. So yeah. I think that's why that was really fresh in my mind. Yeah. Cause, cause we were watching those the other day. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's one so recently, cool. um, you know, the truff hot sauce, um, that one for a while it was just um i think that one's just direct to consumer too but i've been seeing it actually in our grocery store around and actually does like stand out like pretty nicely on there it's really clean and they have like this like custom cap that they go and put on top of it it's like i don't know kind of like this like geometric geometric like kind of shape but it really just stands off and like yeah like the one bottle it's like a black bottle on there so you see all these you know sea of red hot sauces and then you have this one really like refined like nice looking one and 
makes makes you think about paying that price point for it. Yeah, I was gonna say I feel like they're just such a premium product, and all the materials they use in their packaging kind of reflect mm. that premium quality. It's like yeah, just from the bottle itself, and you know, just the very very minimalist layout. Yeah, very really really attractive. <laughs> what was the brand hot sauce? I just missed that. It's called Truff. It's like T R U F F. Okay. Okay, yeah. Now that I've now that I write it out, I know which one that is. Yeah, yeah and that's that's the interesting thing about the especially in that consumer packaged goods space in that grocery store aisle, is you'll look at a section, and I do this from time to time, and I'm sure designers like like creatives like you guys will do it a lot more. You'll look at the cracker section, for example, and you'll look and be like, what stands out? in this section, what's jumping out at us just, you know, saying, look at me, pick me up, buy me, that sort of thing. And it's an interesting exercise to do um, because you, you, two things happen. One is you realize how similar they all are. Yeah, and yeah. two, when there is something that really jumps out, you notice it right away. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's something we do usually on most of our projects is, well, like, you know, if we're doing a spice, you know, company or, you know, if we're working with a hot sauce company, we'll go and like, you know, check out what it looks like on the shelf and, you know, a couple of different stores and, um, you know, we'll just go and see what's out there. And yeah, mm -hmm. it, and like you said, like from like Whole Foods to like, you know, a Walmart or something like that, you know, you're going to have different packaging on there and, um, you know, have to go and check out, you know, where it's going to be living and what's going to be around. Yeah, for sure. That's something that, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like we always like kind of factor in right from the jump is we'll kind of do that like competitive analysis and like take a look and like be like, okay, this is like, you know, this is what's going on in your category. Here's like mm -hmm. some other industries that like are doing these more like, you know, innovative design things. How can we kind of apply some of that? You know, they have the same target consumer as you. How can we apply like, you know, some of those elements to your design to stand out, you know, against the competition and yeah, when there's, you know, like you said, when everything kind of looks so similar, you have to really, and I, it just, you know, I feel like especially food and beverage, like, it's just such like a saturated space, like there's so many brands that come out, like, you know, new brands are coming out every single day. So, you know, kind of trying to stay ahead of the curve, but also having that like sense of familiarity and making sure kind of first and foremost to like drive, you know, drive sales. It's kind of always figuring out what that balance looks like. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. The balance definitely matters. Because I mean, you know, there's a reason why everyone's doing things that are kind of similar in there because, you know, to a certain point it goes and work. So it's kind of striking that balance. Like how do I stand out from this, but also not lose those, you know, communication, you know? Yeah. I, I guess what's interesting and maybe you'll have some, some thoughts on this. Do you think that the consumers, sorry, let me rephrase this. Do you think that what is working on packaging in this, so in this cracker aisle example, you see a lot of things that look similar, but a little bit different. Do you think there's a point where the consumer switches to something else and all of that stuff isn't working anymore? I think it really depends on who the consumer is, because I think mm -hmm. that's one thing I feel like we've really learned. Um, you know, we work with like some brands that are like very much like a commodity, like kind of mass market type product. And, you know, the consumers, yeah. the people that they're targeting, like they're looking for a sense of like familiarity and they might be shopping based on like price point or, you know, the factors that th the things that they're factoring in, like might be very different from like kind of a younger, like trendier consumer who's willing to pay like a higher price point for something that, you know, 
they just enjoy the aesthetic of or, you know, it's offering, it's giving them the impression that it's something kind of cool or unique. So like, I think it, I think to answer your question, I think there's kind of room for kind of room for all. And I think that's something we've kind of now that we've as we've kind of come like further in our career, like I think when we were younger, we were always like really fighting so hard for the design for the sake of like what, you know, what is like attractive and what is like conventionally attractive based on like mm-hmm. design trends versus, you know, now kind of understanding that, you know, different markets kind of respond to different things. And, um, you know, like we do, we work with like one brand that like they're primarily sold in like club settings, like Sam's club and things like that. So, you know, they're, they're looking for a value. So having some of maybe those more gaudy call outs and things like that, you know, like 50% more, you know, while that, while it's ugly and kind of feels like it's infringing on the design and we're not always happy doing it, you know, kind of like there's so many stats to kind of back up why these, some of these elements are succeeding based on the, you know, kind of based on the situation. So I think we're, you know, kind of been able to take kind of like our knowledge and experience about those kind of different, um, different settings and kind of apply it to the project. It's a very case by case thing. Yeah, definitely. I think also something that like applies to when you're picking something off the shelf, like even if, you know, it might stand out to you. Like people are creatures mm-hmm. of habit, you know, they like things like yeah. once they find that brand, like, you know, it's gonna be hard to kind of pull them away from it. So I think, you know, one of the interesting things is just how much, you know, social media, like, you know, marketing or even like on TikTok, like, you know, if you scroll past this ad or like, you know, someone using this product before, you're going to have that in your head. And then, you know, it might even stand out more on the shelf once you go and see it, like, oh, there's what I saw on TikTok or Instagram the other day. Um, and I think it's kind of building that familiarity. And I think that's like a core, you know, function to when someone's making a purchasing decision. So, um, yeah, I think that's why some of that familiarity and, you know, using, you know, similar, you know, I guess, approaches to some of these other brands can kind of help you too. Yeah, kind of mm-hmm. two different r- routes to sort of achieving the same thing, which is like making someone feel like they can trust your brand or product. So there's two questions that came out of that, and those are great points for sure. In your experience dealing with consumer packaged good brands, and I'm sorry for going like completely off script here because I did send you some yeah, questions no, no, and it. I'm just taking a hard right turn. <laughs> Whatever. Um, Hopefully we have an answer for you. We don't just sit here blankly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just give me like a wink or something and I'll move on and we'll just cut it later. <laughs> uh, we'll fix it in post. Um, how much... How much... Um, what is the word I'm looking for here? How much influence, that's the one, influence do the actual retailers have on the design of these packaging? And this question comes from um, working with somebody recently who is launching a product within Costco. And the influence that the Costco team has on the design and the build and the structure of their packaging and their design was way more than I had ever anticipated. So are you finding, like, is that a common thing in this space? With Costco, it definitely is. Costco's all, whenever we're designing something for Costco, they're always yeah right in yeah. there with it. They need to get like a lot of reviews and approvals, and yeah, yeah. they'll even like change the structure up or you know how it's got, they're going to stack a pallet, all that good stuff. I think they're mm-hmm. they're probably the most like intense. Yeah, one, I them. Guess. I would say I would say Sam's, which I mean Sam's they're very too, very yeah. similar. Like I feel like they have they have a kind of a laundry list of like packaging requirements about even things yeah. like. You know, we know, you know, all like the FDA requirements pretty much like, you know, like the back of our hand at this point. But, you know, they have kind of their own sets of guidelines where like, you know, the UPC needs to be repeated on this many panels in like these locations. You know, they have a lot of really specific requirements that, Mm -hmm. you know, 
the more like we've worked with them, the more we've kind of come to realize like it's kind of good to factor those things like kind of as early as we can. And, you know, and I think it depends very much on, you know, we have some clients that they have really close relationships with like the buyers at these retailers. So we kind of know going into the project, like this product, like the, you know, they are targeting, like they want to be on the shelves of Costco. So how do we kind of appeal to that right off the bat? Versus like some of our other clients, you know, they're just starting out, like they're casting a wide net. So, you know, maybe down the line, things are going to have to be tweaked, but they're, you know, I feel like a lot of retailers don't necessarily have as much, you know, as much sway or leverage. So I think it's a little bit, um, you know, I think it really depends, but we always kind of start off with sort of this baseline packaging that kind of would theoretically kind of work anywhere. And then, you know, if we need to modify it accordingly, definitely are no stranger to doing that. Yeah, and a lot of times we have, like, you know, the original version that we go and create, and then, like, you know, if Costco's interested in them, then, you know, we'll kind of tweak things or make packaging sometimes specifically for Costco. Like, uh, mm-hmm. the Bare Bones project that we touched on last time we were on here, like, we have specific Costco, like, you know, pouches for them, and then, you know, their the stuff they sell in Whole Foods or, you know, any of their other stores is a bit different from that. That's perfect, because that actually leads right into <laughs> another question. This is just flowing. Um, when you're, when you're working on a project and it is, and you kind of touched a little bit on this earlier, but I want to expand on this a bit. Um, when you're designing, for example, I mean, you know, a customer's like, Hey, this is going into whole foods. It's not going to Walmart. It's not going to Sam's club. This is going to whole foods. Do you look at that and design that and create that differently than if the customer came in and said, this is just going in Walmart, not whole foods. And in my mind, Whole Foods and Walmart have very different demographics of shoppers. They absolutely so are, are, do. are brands designing for that? Yeah, I mean, we always we always do. In our, um, we always start off every project with a discovery call. That's you know, it's like a pretty in depth questionnaire that we have, and that's one of our questions is kind of what is your what is your sales strategy look like? Kind of what are your goals for this year? What are your five year goals? So we can kind of have all that information up front and you know mm-hmm. figure out like okay, what channels are they really anticipating this product like succeeding in most? And then we definitely do kind of tailor, you know, tailor the designs to an extent. And again, I think, you know, it's, I think it's less about the retailers and more about kind of the target, like target demographic that shops at those retailers that we're kind of appealing to. So it's not that we're necessarily like designing this just for, you know, for Walmart, but, you know, knowing kind of the, people that are shopping there and kind of what that looks like versus like, like you said, versus like a whole foods consumer, mm-hmm. um, they are going to respond differently to different things. So, um, you know, I think that's something, you know, ideally like most brands are, you know, they want to see like that type of expansion where they can be sold everywhere. But, but, you know, in the early stages, I think kind of getting, kind of getting that brand recognition, like right off the bat and kind of getting those inroads to those major retailers. I think it helps if you kind of, are narrowed in a little bit more. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's interesting because when you were talking about the gaudy callouts, you know, I just thought to myself, you know, kind of pictured myself for a minute walking through Whole Foods and I'm like, I don't really remember seeing like big callouts on packaging for, you know, 25% more product in this pack or like <laughs> those sort of things. But you're right, in like a Walmart or a Sam's Club, that sort of environment, you see that all the time. Yeah, that's why people are shopping at, you know, like Costco or Sam's Club, because you're going for these bulk good value things where, you know, maybe yeah. you're a Whole Foods shopper, you're looking more for, you know, what the product actually is and the quality of the product. 
Right. And in our discovery questionnaire, kind of tied into this, it's, we also ask kind of what are the kind of key communication points, like what differentiates your project product from other similar products on the market? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, a lot of those things, are, you know, again, like if kind of the cheaper price point is something they want to call attention to, that's very different than like, oh, we have used really premium ingredients or, you know, like there's always, yeah. you know, kind of how what they want to communicate is going to kind of influence how how the design kind of shapes that and like what techniques we're going to employ to communicate those, those selling points. Yeah. And how different, you know, those different uh, differentiators are. I mean, sometimes, you know, you have one and they have this completely unique product that, you know, you really want to go and call something out. And sometimes, you know, the product isn't as unique as, uh, you know, other ones out there. So it's kind of relying more on the branding and, you know, actually the packaging to attract those consumers there. Yeah. Got it. Um, Ron, you had mentioned earlier, um, in, in one of your explanations that there was a, almost like a TikTok effect and people, you know, seeing something on TikTok and looking for something similar in retail. Is there, like, what is that TikTok effect? And have you guys dealt with that or, or had any customers that specifically wanted to plan for that? Um, I think on there, it's just like, I mean, a lot of times when we're doing this stuff, it's usually the core branding from there. So we always think about that. You know, we've been doing a lot more of these, uh, you know, influencer boxes. I think that's been a yep. big factor to what we've been doing. Like mm-hmm. pretty much all the re- recent branding and packaging projects, we've had to go and do this because, yeah, they're going to send them out. So it's kind of, you know, after design the original package that might be on the retail shelf or you might see somewhere, it's also creating this other experience that, you know, yep. they want to be nice to open up and, you know, take a video of them going, opening it up and trying it out and looking at it. So you want this like nicely crafted box in there and then, you know, trying to figure out what cutouts are going to be inside or, you know, how you can make this experience kind of memorable and, um, you know, something that, you know, the influencer that they're working with is going to want to go and promote as well. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. been like the, the biggest difference between, I mean, usually when we create branding, we always create like some social assets and, um, you know, just ideas of how you're going to go and, you know, use these in the different formats. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, like as far as like, you know, the TikTok effect, it's most of that influencer boxes that we've been doing that, um, yeah, have kind of yeah, definitely increased over the past couple of years because yeah, they're trying to get that familiarity and get it out and be like, Oh, like this one person I follow uses it. So I feel like I can trust this when I see it sitting on the shelf later, or, you know, I'm going to want to go to their website and order it, that type of thing. But I think it's, yeah, again, it's creating that yeah. familiarity. Yeah. And I think a lot of that familiarity is almost like subconscious. Like I feel like there are products I'll see out and I'm like, I, for the life of me, I couldn't tell you like where I saw it or like how I how I'm familiar with it. But yeah. I think just seeing things like you know we're all just like passively scrolling on social media so much that kind no. of getting things into people's eye line, <laughs> even if you're not even if you're not necessarily taking note of it at the time. I think just kind of that re- repetition of kind of seeing you know mm-hmm. seeing these brands, it kind of builds like that kind of inherent sense of trust that you know you can't you can't necessarily always like plan for or like figure yeah. out, you know, the most you can do is put your brand in front of people and hope that their brain is like <laughs> absorbing, absorbing it. it. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like uh, yeah. mud water. That's when I've been seeing a lot. I keep getting like, yeah, different All ads over the place. Mud no water and AG one. Yeah. Yeah. I see like the thing. I know it's like some kind of mushroom coffee alternative, but like, that's it but i'm familiar with it now and i like i think of it like you know back and forth like when we're having this conversation it pops into my head so they must be doing something right dude what is in your cup yeah exactly it's like the intro to it right awesome well just before we get into this deep dive on the project that i'll that i'll have you guys explain and go through um 
have you guys been a part of a project recently that you were working on um, where something went sideways or didn't quite turn out as you had expected? In, in this print design world, there's always new substrates, there's always new different ways of printing things, which comes with learning and comes with surprises and lessons and things like that. Have you guys had any experiences like that recently? I'm trying to think if there's anything specific. This I one, mean, uh, oh, sorry, if you have one, you can go. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to talk about the same thing, but I was going to say this one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say anything went like sideways, but we, mm -hmm. um, we recently did, um, this project. It's like this brand blue bear and they do these kind of like functional, like wellness beverages that are, um, you know, supposed to like help you with like kind of rest and relaxation. Um, mm -hmm. and like, it's an awesome pro like product. And we kind of created, the brand for the brand we kind of created these like scenes uh, on these cans and they're these like you know really colorful kind of like monochromatic like gradients and um you know it's a very i think we're the designs are so colorful that like ron was saying for them we kind of did this like influencer box and then the cans are sold in like four packs so there's like kind of an outer cardboard box and then there's mm -hmm. the actual cans themselves so i feel like that one i remember there was like a little bit like you know, there's just like a little bit of range trying to like match like those really vibrant colors kind of across like mentioning all those different substrates, like trying to figure mm -hmm. out how to, you know, how to kind of account for that. And um, yeah, and because there are all these gradients and different textures and all that stuff, we couldn't use like just straight Pantone colors. So, you know, it's yeah. trying to blend these to all go and match and, you know, yeah, kind of troubleshoot it with the manufacturers to figure out how we could like match, you know, better match the vibrancy and, you know, make mm -hmm. sure everything felt like totally consistent um that was one that just you know kind of just popped to mind but did you yeah, have there's definitely one? a little bit of trial and error there and i mean a lot of times we're working with people who are just starting up too so obviously the budgets are a little bit more limited too with how many different press tracks they can get and you know they're always being mm -hmm. quite conscious of you know the budgets they have so it's kind of yeah trying to trying to ride that like you know balance right there of you know how many do we do to make it perfect if it's a little bit off can we adjust it for the next run type of thing mm -hmm. so yeah, that was that was interesting. This one's like not a, I mean, it's not specific to what we were doing, but we actually just designed in uh, Minnesota. They went in uh, just legalized cannabis um, by okay. accident almost. Um, pretty much there was a bill going uh, legalized Delta 8 and someone put Delta 9 into it, which is THC, and they just didn't have all these regulations. So we worked with this one cider company and, they were, and uh, I think his wife goes and works for the government. They kind of saw this come across. But they're like, all right, we're going to hurry up and we're going to try to like launch this like, you know, THC, like, you know, cider drink brand. And we had like literally like a week to go and design everything. and uh, yeah, Which is not at all our normal process. But no. this particular client, we, you know, it was such a, it was kind of these extenuating circumstances. And we had like such a, you know, a good working relationship. They were, were like, all right, if you like really need to get this done, we'll, we'll do our best to get this, get this done for you. Yeah, but then just going through, like, the printing process and figuring out what they were going to do. They were going to go and do, like, a shrink sleeve and have that all set. But then it ended up switching, like, halfway through because they needed to get it out so quick that, you know, that wouldn't be done. So then they went to labels. And then, actually, I was talking to him the other day, and he was saying that uh, they were trying to get them off the press so fast that the the stickers weren't sticking to the cans anymore because it was high. And when they were packing them into the boxes, like, everything was just, like, starting to peel up there. So it's just, like, these, like, you know, little things that you have to go and think about when you're going in. Yeah, creating the experience and, yeah, like, mm -hmm. having a rush project like that, that you can have these, like, errors that go and happen within there. And obviously for us, you know, we're on, only on one side of it. You know, we're, we're not usually – we don't usually have the opportunity to be on press where we can help, 
you know, in real time troubleshoot those things. So we're, yeah, you know, sure. we're getting like frantic calls, like, how do we like fix this? And we're like, you know, we're trying to help as much as we can, you know, kind of within our means of control. But there's just so many, there's so many other factors involved, you know, from the time we hand off the files to the time the product is, you know, on shelf or, or it's mm-hmm. digital shelf, kind of whatever that launch looks like. So there's always like that little bit of anxiety when we send this off and we're like, all right, like, yeah, hopefully it comes yeah, out. Yeah, here's hoping that, it. you know, this goes smoothly. And yeah, I mean, it's always great when we get like a, a nice sample before. But like I said, since we work with a lot of startups, sometimes, sometimes that's not always there. They'll get like a, you know, one printed out, but you know, it doesn't, doesn't go and do it justice. Another thing we've been seeing, uh, I feel like the past year too, is uh, like our clients going and be able to um, find, you know, the actual package for it. Like we have this one client, Barry Bicep, that, uses this one type of bottle and um, you know there's a shortage with some of the you know supplies mm-hmm. that they go and have so then they had to switch this other bottle and then after that they had to switch this other bottle that they had there so it was kind of reformatting this design into you know this like tall skinny can- or bottle yeah. into like this one that had like this long neck on it so it had to just be like a slight band around there um, so I feel like we've been dealing with that you know throughout the year there's been a couple clients who have like done wine to launch here but mm-hmm. you know there's just not the supply of you know either the cans or the bottles that they're looking for you know and that's kind of helped things up recently. Yeah, supply chain issues have been, you know, one of the many stories from the last couple of years. You know, trying to source glass in particular has been a significant mm-hmm. challenge. Um, but any sort of bottle container package that you're putting into, um, you know, product into has just been a challenge sourcing. Totally. Yeah, it's definitely, yeah, definitely just added like another another layer to the to the many, many other challenges. Complexity and excitement, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, let's get into the deep dive, guys. Um, I would like to kick this over to you and have you introduce this project. Um, I'll bring up some photos on the screen and I'll also share some stuff on Instagram and in the links of this episode description. So for those who are listening, you can go to these links and it'll take you to uh, photos of the project so you can have a look at it while we are talking about it as well. Um, but if you can introduce the project, talk about sort of how it landed on your plate, what was the sort of story and brief behind it, and and then the design process and final production and all that kind of jazz. So um, you guys ready for that? Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, all right, take so it away. The project that we're going to be chatting about today um, is it's this brand called Miller's. Um, one of the unique things about them, how you know, we were just talking about how you know a lot of times people come to us, you know, they're just starting out, they don't really you know have any existing brand at all. Um, this was a little bit of a unique challenge for us because they they not only have been in business for a while, but they'd been in business since like 1910. So they had this oh really long-standing 110-year like history that you know had been you know they'd been having like some some level of success up until that point, but they really kind of wanted to take it take it to the next level. And um, they're you know they're a big differentiator. A lot of again they kind of were branded previously as like Miller's hot dogs. So they were mm. kind of known, there's definitely this kind of, I don't know, <laughs> expectation, I guess, sur- or surrounding hot dogs that they're like cheap and they're poor quality. And, but for them, like they use like really premium ingredients, like no fillers. Um, they're, they have like a traditional, like what German sausage maker and they kind of yeah. rely on all these really traditional processes. So for them, you know, 
kind of they're sitting in the freezer with all these other brands with like a very similar look and they really needed to kind of call attention to the fact that their product was like a significantly higher quality product. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, they kind of wanted to, it was kind of a challenge of how do we like pay homage to their history, but also take them in a new direction that's going to better convey, um, you know, what makes their product special and better than yeah. the competitors. Um, so, you know, like I said, they were kind of Miller's hot dogs. They changed to Miller's craft meats. Um, the logo type, we worked with one of our best friends. He's uh, he's a really talented hand letterer. Mike Burroughs is his name. So we worked with him to do this kind of custom logo type that we kind of reference like the letter forms from their previous logo, but, you know, wanted to make it a little bit more versatile with kind of the centered layout, a lot cleaner. Like it doesn't have that, you know, <laughs> that neon yellow 90s outline <laughs> or, you know, that thick swoosh underneath. <laughs> we tried to you know, kind of clean it up and modernize it a bit. Um, and then like another kind of key element of the brand, we they kind of kept talking about Miller sort of being this gold standard. So we kind of made this badge lockup that, you know, kind of communicates their like kind of like, leg, like legacy of excellence essentially mm-hmm. by um, kind of highlighting the tradition, like the it's a traditional, what is it? Traditional, traditional quality since 1910. <laughs> That's what I mixed up all the time. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of the, you know, kind of the general overview. Um, and then kind of for the rest of the packaging, we took a look at a lot of like vintage meat market signage for kind of the secondary, you know, some of those other typographic elements and, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of some of the other like treatments on the packaging to try to, you know, conv- you know, again, just convey that history. But we wanted to do it in like a very, very clean, clean way. So um, which we think, you know, I think we did a good job of kind of finding that kind of middle ground where it has that heritage feel, but, but still feels, you know, again, very clean and a little bit more contemporary. So for, so for scope on this in terms of um, size and depth, I guess, how many SKUs are we talking about? How many products are we talking about? Um, And, and also how many various styles of packaging are you having to sort of rework and rethink? Yeah, definitely. There was a, I think when we first started the project, we went and did four different flavors. So there's a couple different product lines. They have two in it. Um, mm-hmm. So the way we got this job, we worked with uh, this one investor who uh, works with, if you can see that little tab up there, it's like King, Kinder's Barbecue. And we've worked with them yep. before on that project. Um, so they kind of went and did like a combination one to go and start out where, uh, yeah, they had these different craft sausages and then it was flavored by, you know, some of these Kinder spices. So uh, we cool. had to go and do a version that, you know, kind of works with other brands because they were talking about, um, you know, eventually maybe working with different, you know, beer companies and kind of having like, um, yeah, different ones that Doing were like, these, like so, collaborations yeah. essentially. So we pretty much need a collaboration version. We need to go and uh, yeah, make a system for sausages and then they also have their hot dog line too. Um, so we needed to go and figure out how we were going to distinguish the difference between, yeah, the sausages and the hot dogs. And they also have like mini sausages and, you know, bigger ones from there and um, kind of where they, they sit in shelf. And you know, also the capabilities that we had for each one, like, um, you know, yeah. the sausages were something that they really wanted to lean into um, and kind of make these really craft ones. So they have like ones that have all different flavors, like that one's barbecue chicken that you have up right now. Um, mm-hmm. But they have like a bunch of different yeah seasonings and spices and different flavors that they were going to go and be putting into these. Yeah. Um so 
that was kind of where they were leaning towards a little bit more um, on focusing so that we had a little bit more flexibility with the packaging um, where we could kind of create this like sleeve that went around to make everything feel a little bit more premium. So it uses like a little bit of a thicker cardstock. Um, you know, mm -hmm. we have some of that gold foil put on there that we were just mentioning before with uh, yeah, the foil awesome. printing in there. Um, and then kind of working with that. But then the unique challenge that we had too was then we had to go and do these stickers for the hot dogs too that could just pretty much use like, yeah, this kind of like baseline, um, you know, paper slash sticker that would go onto it. And, you know, they're going to be sitting in here that, you know, sometimes it gets a little moist in those coolers that they have there. So mm -hmm. kind of, uh, yeah, kind of balancing those out and kind of how the colors would match and, you know, the system would kind of work together. So, um, yeah, like, kind of how do we take this really like, you know, kind of really premium aesthetic from the sausages that's using all of these, like, Foil yeah, texture. like these, like, nice texture <laughs> yeah. processes. And then how do we kind of make sure that the hot dogs kind of have that same, you know, that same type of, like, elevated feel, but yeah. stripped away of all of those, you know, those kind of cool features that we could add to the, to the sausage packaging. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's a core element when we're designing for these food and beverage companies is kind of, you know, creating a design that can work no matter kind of what the substrate is. Like, you know, as much as mm -hmm. we love to put gold foil and have, you know, this, like, nice thick, you know, cardstock for, and sleeves that are put around it, um, you know, people are on budgets and, you know, like we were talking about the sourcing is tough. So, um, you know, we really always try to create a design that just stands on its own, you know, from a hierarchy and layout wise, um, you know, perspective, and that, you know, can also add some bells and whistles, you know, when it's possible there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing when you've got, you know, in the same pro same company or manufacturer has, you know, their sort of entry level, lower cost products, and they've got their premium products. You need a similar brand and feel and alignment on all those pieces, but you can't print, you know, just throwing a number out there, you can't print a $1 sleeve with gold foil and everything for all of the products, even the, like, including the low margin products, it just doesn't make sense. So you right, need to have exactly. something that flexes across those different substrates, different print methods, different um, applications to fit and all still be brand aligned. Exactly. And then, um, you know, for the hot dogs, like for the, for the sausages, we had like kind of a whole front and back to work with. Um, and like mm -hmm. these kind of like thin side panels versus like the hot dogs where it was just kind of this one panel you know, one panel one sticker. So like even kind of figuring out how to strip away, you know, kind of what are the key elements that we absolutely need to maintain and like what from like kind of an FDA, like regulatory standpoint, do we need to maintain? And then, you know, what can we like yep. take away to kind of free up some real estate to, you know, condense this design, you know, space wise. So like even, you know, even when like kind of working across, you know, different products, that's like another thing is, you know, just the amount of real estate available and, um, yeah, like being able to distill the brand. Yeah, and with these being meats, there's the USDA too that has like a lot of strict rules there with sizing and, you know, what you can say and how the text can be. Um, you know, so we kind of had to go through there with, um, yeah, the exact verbiage and sizing and putting everything there and yeah, making sure it can all go and fit, um, you know, in these multiple formats. Yeah, got a lot of process and a lot of approvals to, to go through and get through. So yeah, this project on this with approvals. Mm -hmm. So in this brand, was there a primary store that you were doing this design for a primary real retailer? Um, or was this one of those situations where they have different products in different retailers and you need to create something that is flexible and works across all those platforms? Yeah, this one, they had a couple, I think the first one that we were going and putting them into is Safeway. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I think I that think was so. the first one. But this one also did have a Costco component, which we had to design, yeah. you know, some different flavors that would go into there um, and kind of create the tray. Yeah, we had to go and create a tray for it. Um, and mm -hmm. then, yeah, they had some different hot dogs on it. I think they're like, you know, more of the foot long hot dogs that they go and put in there. Um, yeah, so nice. they definitely had some different yeah, call outs and regu regulatory things that, you know, they wanted on there. Um, so, yeah, yep. we definitely had to go and create a, a couple different formats there. Um, you know, with this one, it was definitely like a little bit of an older demographic. It's, you know, people who are experienced in the space, like they care what meats they're having. Um, you know, a lot of families who are out there, you know, grilling. So, you know, it's not going to be as playful or, you know, uh, fun as like, you know, some of those other brands that we're going and working with because, you know, they're really just built on this premium quality product. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a little bit of an older demographic, um, <coughs> you know. They're, they're not looking for yeah these bright colors and you know fun illustrations on there that's going to go and uh, capture them. Yeah, yeah and kind of premium, but also very trustworthy. And you know, um, those were kind of two of the kind of the two main attributes that they wanted to kind of get across. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. safe way. It's going to be a, like you know a general consumer who yeah it might just you know a family um, you know shopping for you know the barbecue over the weekend and, and then also in Costco um, you know kind yeah. of that value right there. Um, you know, that yeah. you're getting this quality product for a good price. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, kind of communicating that were, were the main main factors there. Yeah, we, we haven't been able to share it yet, but this is like a for kind of like a sneak peek. We actually are working with them now on doing kind of a new they want to do like this new line of like more fun flavors um, for kids. Yeah. So it's like, you know, we've been kind of right now actually are kind of working on adapting kind of this core brand to do this sort of subline that is like is a lot brighter and you know, has some of those, you know, has like a little bit of a different look and feel because again, it's a different, yep. different target audience. So yep. um, that's kind of a little, little teaser for, cool. <laughs> for another time. But. Yeah. And an interesting challenge too, because obviously this one's pretty buttoned up. So going in, yeah, trying to see how much we can push it to a fun side, but like we were yeah. saying, still have that recognizable, you know, kind of like action. introducing, you know, we've been trying to maybe introduce some like slightly more like play, playful typography and things, but again, maintaining the overall, you know, brand recognition. Mm -hmm. So the labels and the sleeves that you have created for the hot dogs and the sausages for sort of like your single pack retail, just regular retail, um, are sort of white backgrounds on them. But the ones for the Costco seem to have a black background on them. So the is that the like is this a concept or was that actually the way the direction that you're going you just sort of talk through the differences between those two yeah definitely so those are distinguished based on these different like flavor lines that they have so they have these groupings Got of it. yeah different flavors that they're they're putting in there so they have yes one flavor line uses you know more of the white packaging where the other one uses um you know black packaging uh, uh -huh, so that's how they're it. kind of distinguishing between these different yeah, product lines that they have going Got it. Makes perfect sense. So then you're going to design one with a fluorescent background for the kids. Yeah. <laughs> we're playing with some some different colors. I don't know if fluorescent. Yeah, I don't but... know if we're going to push quite that far. <laughs> um, I think we we tried some that were a little bit brighter. I think it might be it might be kind of more in the vein of using like some of those accent colors that we're kind of using for um, kind of the flavor cues on these, um, like those kind of mm -hmm. like orange and blue bars, maybe doing some more like kind of full color backgrounds and like that type of thing. Cool. Um, but yeah, we'll see how far, we'll see kind of where that project lands. Cause it's still, again, still sort yeah. of in the early, earlier design stages, but, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But I would love some, love to throw some neon in there. <laughs> <laughs> 
So in terms of items that are involved with this product line from a packaging standpoint, there's the labels, there's the sleeves. What else? Um, was there anything else that you guys needed to sort of create or think about when creating this? Yeah, there's the sleeves. There was, uh, yeah, like the trays that we were doing for Costco. Um, you know, that was another yep. factor in there. Um, I think those were the main components that we went and started out with. Um, you know, we designed the concept, the boxes that you have on there, that was a concept for, yeah, if they were setting it out to, you know, even different buyers or, um, you know, influencers, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah. they're mostly retail and, you know, their first phase of, um, you know, actually getting the new brand out was uh, so retail focused that these haven't been produced yet, but, um, uh, yeah. you know, down the road, down the road, they might be from there. Um, but cool. yeah, those were, those are the three main components that we went and had, um, yeah. 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 And then we always do like, you know, kind of like brand guidelines and like all that good stuff as well. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, from like kind of a print packaging standpoint, that was kind of the, you know, those were sort of the main, the main elements, like Ron said. Got it. Got it. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about the sort of printer selection and the proofing and press checks, if there was any process on these? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, this client that we have, uh, he's an investor, so he kind of has like some, he's has a hand in like a bunch of these different companies. Like Kinders is a pretty big um, company that they go and use and also Miller's. They had, um, you know, different co-packers and yeah, production people went and uh, selected mm -hmm. from there, from, from his resources. So we were kind of set already with who they were going to go and use and, you know, what factors we had. Um, you know, a lot of times we go and do most of the stuff, um, you know, remotely. So, um, you know, for this project, the, the main difference was, um, you know, kind of selecting, they kind of had the cardboard that they were going to select based on, um, you know, the budget and, you know, what they could afford, you know, on those, you know, higher, higher margin products. So we kind of had that set, um, but they sent those over to us. And, you know, one of the big things was kind of choosing, you know, the tone of the gold foil that we're going to go and use. Um, mm -hmm. So they sent those over to us and we went through some different samples, you know, along with looking at how it's going to like fit on the paper, um, you know, the different calls would go and stand out there and complement some of the color palettes we're using. So uh, definitely, yeah, decent amount of days yeah. sitting there with they the, sent the... us like a whole stack of gold foils, and I'm like, I'm like, they all look so different. I'm like, how do we decide? It's like when you're trying to paint your wall, and then yeah, we're looking at like in different rooms and outside, and you know which yeah, one's going to be like, the best one. Yeah, it's they all seem like they should be like like. It's like all gold foil. How different can they be? But like when you're when you have them all in front of you, and you know, yeah, we were kind of going back and forth on that for a little bit, just trying to like. Yeah, it's like trying to select <laughs> that white for the room that you're going to go and paint, where there's like all these different yeah. slightly from there. And then also like another factor too was you know since we were doing those hot dogs on top of it too, but they couldn't go and afford to have the gold foil there. It was like yeah. which foil, you know, which Pantone color can we use here that's gonna feel nice and you know still look pretty similar, you know, if they're sitting, you know, next to each other on the shelf. Um, so mm -hmm. that was like a factor going back and forth with. Um, but yeah, that was, a, that was a, our main involvement with it. it was kind of choosing those selections. And then, yeah. um, you know, as far as I'm pressed, they, they had someone who they were, um, you know, rolling with and, you know, has a good amount of experience. And uh, this company and uh, the other company has, has like in-house designers where they were going working with. So we we're kind of brought in to kind of do the branding and packaging. And then from there, um, you know, they expanded to different flavors and, you know, can kind of handle some of some of the on the ground work that, uh, yeah, we don't need to like fly out for because they're over on the West Coast. Got it. Got it. So definitely no press checks then at that point, because when you're on the West Coast that uh, and the timing of when this stuff was done within the last two years, obviously, so 
travel not yeah so that definitely made it lost, a yeah. little more a little more challenging to not yeah because like ron said i mean most of most of the stuff we do is remote but we do like to be we like to be as involved in the printing process kind of as as possible or kind of as like our client you know wants us to be so we're we're always happy to be you know kind of involved in all those like communications and we like to kind of see everything coming through we like to see yeah. You know, see like photos and videos and kind of make sure that everything's going smoothly um, and get samples when we can. But yeah, I actually forgot about that. Yeah, this was right 2020 and 2021, like early 2021 that we worked yeah. on this one. Or so it was, yeah, right in, right in the heart of everything. Yeah. So yeah, there wasn't a lot of, a lot of face-to-face, uh, you know, items here. Yeah, exactly. Um, Which is pretty crazy you guys... when you're working with something that you touch and see. And then, yeah, you just kind of have to have to send it and hope that, uh, yeah, it all comes out how you're envisioning. Yeah, all of a sudden FaceTime press checks became a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, is this looking is... around now? You're in this dark room right now. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, don't judge the color because you're on this like backlit screen and not looking at <laughs> yeah, your, exactly. you know, an actual press sheet. You're just, yeah, got it. Um, have you guys had any um, ROI feedback or anything from the customer? Like are they, are they seeing an improvement from this other than they feel great about it because it's a brilliant rebrand and it delivers the message that they actually want to deliver moving forward. Um, have they seen ROI on this? Yeah, they've definitely, I know they've been expanding through different stores kind of on the West coast region. And the one thing we like to joke about is like when our client came back to us, he like showed it to the Safeway buyer. What, what do you say? It was like <laughs> the buyer, the buyer told him it's the best thing he's seen in me. <laughs> and that's what we are joking. We're going to put that on the shirt, like the best thing in me. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, our client was like very excited and the buyers, you know, he received like kind of right off the bat, he received like really glowing feedback from the buyers. Um, before they even launched like he has yeah. um and again he has like a kind of a close working relationship with a lot of these buyers so mm-hmm. i feel like he's always like very much kind of in real time like kind of sharing things with them and kind of getting their feedback along the way but it's always that's cool you know yeah it was nice to kind of before they even put it out into the world like he was getting you know so much positive feedback that we kind of had kind of just gave us that added boost of confidence that it was going to you know, be it, be yeah. a success. And, um, I feel like we don't, right. Do they, I don't think we have the exact numbers, but I know, um, you know, in the couple of years since this relaunch, they've like expanded tremendously. So it's always, you know, it always feels good to know that, you know, our designs kind of played a hand in, in that. Yeah. Like I know 100%. they were just the when we were first starting and then, yeah, then they got the Costco partnership and I think they've been getting a couple of, I think I saw on Instagram the other yeah, day. They, they were also kind of more regional and I think they've been expanding now to like more kind of national scale. So. Awesome. Um, yeah. Always good to see. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Any sort of growth that a customer experiences in new markets that a, a customer can get into once you're completed with a rebrand, you could definitely attribute to the direction that you took the brand and took the design. Um, so huge props there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah that's, what, that's what I've been going through right now. We're like in a process of redoing our website because that thing's like three years out of date, like maybe four years. <laughs> at this point. But we've been like trying to collect yeah, all these stats and, you know, different things from our clients to go and get, a, get all that good information in there. Yeah, yeah. for sure. 100%. Um, how long did this one take from the first meeting of – Hey, client, nice to meet you. What's the plan here? What are you doing? Um, to holding your first sort of like finished sample in your hand. What is that timeline? This one I'd say was probably about, what, three months? Something like that for the beginning part of it. Probably. I remember the beginning, um, 
the beginning was like a little bit more of a sprint because again, he was kind of, he had these kind of meetings scheduled where he really wanted to, you know, kind of start making these like connections with these like buyers and such. So I remember the beginning, I feel like it was a little bit, it was like a pretty, pretty frantic start for like kind of just getting out like kind of the initial designs and um, kind of like establishing that upfront strategy. But then, but then, you know, from there it kind of, it slowed down a little bit as we kind of actually moved into like the production phase and the, you know, yeah. as they were finalizing the recipes and, you know, there's always like a lot of things, there's just so many things that kind of have to get done on their end, you know, getting like the final like nutrition facts panels and, you know, all that type of stuff that, you know, we kind of can work simultaneously to a point, but I feel like there's always like those sort of roadblocks along the way. I think, I think about mm-hmm. three months is probably, probably right. And I would yeah. say our, probably most of our projects, I would say are probably in like the, two to three month range, you know, provided everything goes smoothly and there's no major, again, supply chain issues or that mm-hmm. type of thing. Yeah, but we have ones that last, you know, somewhat like up to a year. And, you know, that was for yeah. like the first original sample too. And then we started doing the different product lines and expanding it and different SKUs and all that good stuff. So we've been working with them, yeah, pretty much since like 2020, 2021, still doing, mm-hmm. you know, different, different flavors and, you know, adjustments and, you know, different collateral like that. Yeah, that's great. Guys, this one was like was one of the ones that really caught my attention um, on your Instagram when you first started sharing about it. Um, so I'm glad we could finally connect and sort of dive deeper into this um, this project. Um, a, a couple of last questions before I wrap up and let you guys go here. Um, what advice would you give to a graphic designer who is looking at getting into packaging design, the CPG space? Um, but they just don't quite know where to start or how to get into it. What advice would you give them? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, one thing that you can go and do, obviously, is yeah, just check out different designs that are around. Kind of make yourself familiar with it. Um, and then, yeah, even if you want to go and, you know, do some, you know, projects on your own where you're going and starting out and just practicing with it and just, you know, kind of get in that mind frame of, you know, this is a three-dimensional object. Like, how does it look like if you want to kind of make your own hot sauce? get a hot sauce bottle and go and take off the original label, make your own and kind of wrap it around and see how that's kind of working from there um, yeah. and kind of build that up. I mean, how I went and got into the food and beverage, you know, industry, I went and did this project for a restaurant slash deli, but it was like a family friend who we knew. So I would just went and did it on my own terms. Um, and then yeah. that's where they saw that on dribble. Then I went and got a job at a place that did restaurant branding and packing design and um, yeah, pretty much, you know, changed the trajectory of my career from working with these tech companies to, you know, these food and beverage ones from here. But it was just because, you know, I wanted to go and do something cool. And uh, yeah, just wanted to kind of practice at it. Um, and it kind of kind of worked from there. Yeah, I would agree with kind of what Ron said. That was one of the first things that sort of came to mind for me was, you know, I mean, I think it's just, again, like remembering, yeah, that it's a three dimensional space. So like making mm-hmm. sure you like print things out. Like, I think it's really easy when you're kind of zoomed in on your artboard like kind of looking at things that's like a very very different experience than looking at something from you know four feet away on the shelf in a grocery store or like you know even holding it in your hand and you know so I think you know just kind of going that extra mile to like print things out and mock things up and kind of make sure that everything is you know kind of existing in the real world like in in all its glory in the same way it is you know, on your screen or when you're kind of yeah. just doing digital renders. Um, so I think that one's definitely, definitely big. And um, I also think just not being afraid to like ask questions. And, um, you know, I think in the beginning, I remember in the beginning of my career, 
you know, kind of, I learned so much from, you know, working with these different manufacturers and like production teams and they would be like, oh, like this wasn't set up correctly. And I'd be like, oh, okay. Like how, kind of like, how do I fix it? You know, I was like a junior designer, like really eager Mm -hmm. to kind of learn. And I think that, you know, there's a lot, I feel like packaging, there's just, there are, there's so many, there's like the fun of actually designing it, but then there's so many technical elements to it that I think the only way you're going to learn is if you kind of research and just aren't afraid to, you know, ask questions if you're unclear about something and um, make sure you're kind of getting, yeah, kind of getting all that information. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Google's always your friend, you know, just look yeah. up things. And, and <laughs> yeah. try it. There's so many good resources out there now that like, you can just learn so much just from yeah looking it up and, and checking it out from there. Yeah. Awesome. Great advice. Um, before I let you go, can you tell everybody where they can see the work that you're putting together? Where can they find you on Instagram, your website and all that kind of jazz? Yep. Our website's just macroandcreative.com. Uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get that updated soon. So then you can see all the cool stuff. We've been on. Uh, our, the Instagram we've been keeping like a little bit more up to date, but that's uh, macaroni underscore creative. Yeah. Um, on Instagram mm-hmm. and we made a TikTok recently, but I haven't posted anything <laughs> yeah. yet on there. So our personal, uh, our personal promotion, like our website, our, our social, that's always when we're busy. That's always the first thing that gets shoved to the back burner. So we try to be as, we try to be as consistent as we can, <laughs> but I think, I think most designers can relate to that feeling of, uh, yeah, designers, marketers and marketing agencies, printers, like yeah. all of them are just like fit that stereotype of just not keeping their own websites up to date, their portfolios up to date, promoting the great work that they're out there producing and doing. It's sort of like an initial push to like launch a new website. And then it just kind of sits because you're just doing client work and all of a sudden you look at it exactly. you're like, yeah, touched this yeah, and thing every time we're like, years. all right, next, next time we're definitely updating. As soon as we get the project done, we're going to shoot it, go and put it on there and we'll just be set. <laughs> and then we'll be a bigger project and then years later, here we yeah, are. Yeah, but, you know, it's all good. Yeah, hopefully. It's all good. Hopefully one day soon. <laughs> awesome. Um, Macaroni team, thank you so much for joining me on the show again for the second round And my guess is that if you continue doing the work that you're doing, uh, round three is in our future. Awesome. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it was was great chatting. um, Yeah, I always love being on. Yeah. All right. That's the end of today's episode. I told you it was another great conversation. If you are digging what you're hearing here on the Print Design Podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, leave a rating and a review. Would really appreciate it. Helps others find the show and it makes us feel good every now and then, you know? And if you are ready to start learning print and packaging design and you want to become that print and packaging design expert, you got to go to printdesignacademy.com and that's where we've got all that training, access to our YouTube where we're doing free training, uh, access and links to other podcast episodes where we're hearing from stories about from other designers about great print projects that they've already put out in the world. Don't miss it. Printdesignacademy.com. Thanks guys and we'll see you next week.